would you pray with me as we uh, ask for God's help? Lord God in heaven, we praise you for your great and limitless power and we see that in the person of your son, the Lord Jesus, today. Grow our understanding of who he is. May we even be blown away by it and respond in faith ourselves. Enable me to speak your word, we pray, with boldness and clarity. Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts to the truth of it and that we might be changed and that we would respond uh, in great faith uh, even when life is hard. Uh, And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you're really sick, uh, sometimes or usually it's hard to trust Jesus. A missionary I know named Michelle wrote this a number of years ago. Today has been a really sad day and my eyes are swollen from weeping and sobbing all afternoon and into the evening. I just lost it today and I couldn't fight back the tears anymore. I was told by my neurosurgeon in his not-so-nice bedside manner that there's nothing he can or will do for me. I just have to learn to live with a spine that is degenerating quickly. I have three bulging discs in my lower spine causing massive or crippling pain daily. I can't stand for longer than five minutes before the burning, crushing, then electric shocks start down both legs. Michelle also has sarcoids in her heart and lungs and says, now due to the massive amount of fluid that I'm retaining, it's caused instability in both knees. I'm already waiting for two knee replacements. My right one is giving way up to 10 times a day. The traumatic ulcer under my tongue is still causing me speech and swallowing issues. Last week I was bedridden with severe wheezing all week. I'm on 23 drugs daily. The list is growing. Pain is keeping me up through the night. I usually can't get more than two or three hours sleep at once. So all of this compounded with no hope of any more surgeries that will relieve the pain caused me to wonder, What on earth is God doing? And what possible way could this bring him glory? Eight months later, Michelle wrote, Although I am struggling physically and battling crippling pain most days, I still long to serve God. And she quotes Psalm 28, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. I think Michelle, uh, who I know, exemplifies faith in Christ. And today we see the power and the compassion of Jesus to heal, the faith he calls for from each one of us. What does it look like to keep trusting Jesus, even when you're sick? Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He heads down the mountain. The sermon was in chapters 5 to 7. And now Matthew moves from Jesus' matchless teaching to his matchless power. Chapters 8 and 9 contain 10 main miracles in three groups, which are signs all showing that Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. And we're going to look at them over the next four weeks. We'll cover our text under three headings. First, a leper's faith, a centurion's faith, and then Jesus' compassion and power. And first, looking at verse 2, a leper's faith. Exclude the verses to go with it. I mustn't have deleted that. We're told that a man who comes before Jesus had leprosy. Uh, The Greek word refers to serious skin diseases, including what we know as leprosy, which was a death sentence. 
Disease began with thick, scaly skin. It progressed to sores and ulcers. As it spread, sensation ceased. More and more parts of your body would become disfigured and drop off. With no cure, leprosy sufferers did not get healed. You would end up dying of other infections. And never was there a disease that so separated victims from others. People regarded lepers with superstitious horror. It would cut you off religiously, socially, and it would make you live alone, as Leviticus 13 commanded. Lepers were ritually unclean. And never had there been a problem uh, that so illustrated humanity's spiritual problem. So leprosy would cut you off from people and from worshipping God at the temple. But sin is a spiritual disease that separates us from others and from God. Sin spreads and is fatal. Whilst most lepers would live out of town, stand far off and cry for help, this leper comes boldly right up to Jesus, falls on the ground before him. His whole body and soul go into this act of reverence and humility and worship. He acknowledges Jesus' power and authority. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In faith, he pleads for help. Notice that he's sure of Christ's power to heal. If you're willing, you can make me clean. You're powerful to do it. You have the power. See that this is faith in Jesus' uh, ability. It's faith in his ability to do it. It's not a certainty that he would. He submits himself to Jesus' will and trusts him to do what is best. Now, according to the Old Testament, if a Jew touched a leper, they would become unclean until evening but but what happens here Jesus touches the leper and Jesus doesn't get unclean or sick he makes the leper clean Jesus is powerful to heal Jesus touch is powerful it's more powerful than the late princess Diana touching people with AIDS at a time when many people were afraid to do so Jesus touches this man whom others shunned. It is unthinkable. But such is the love of God for sinners. Such is the compassion of Jesus for people. As we'll know in the very next story, Jesus could have healed the man with a word. But Jesus chose to reach out to this untouchable man and touch him physically when no one else would. His touch is powerful. His word is powerful. For what does he say? He says, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the man is cleansed. He's healed. He's cured. Jesus asks him to go to the priest and offer the sacrifices required as a testimony to them. In other words, it's a declaration and proof that this man has been healed. It's a testimony also that that one greater than Moses has come. The healing is to be the evidence to the Jewish priests of Jesus' power and his person. He is the Messiah. In the next scene, we see a centurion's faith. Verse 5. A centurion, that's an officer who led a 100 soldiers, 
in uh, the Roman army. He comes asking, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And does Jesus say, oh, I'm too busy? Or you don't deserve it because you're a foreigner and you serve our Roman oppressors? No. What Jesus says in verse 7 could be a statement or a question. English translations have it differently, but either way it doesn't matter because the point is Jesus is willing to help and he's even willing to go to this Gentile's house. And please pay attention to the centurion's response. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. The centurion, like the leper, is humble. He knows he's unworthy to have the Lord Jesus come to his home. And yet amazingly, he has such confidence in Jesus' words. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And to illustrate the principle of authority, he continues in verse 9 and is effectively saying, anyone with authority can issue orders and know it will be done. And Jesus, I know you have authority. You have matchless, incomparable authority over sickness and disease. And I know if you want to heal my servant with a word, you can. And you can even do it from a distance. It's amazing. Somehow he knew that Jesus' power and authority is awesome. Christ is mighty to transform lives and heal bodies. And then we see Jesus commend this man's faith. Jesus is astonished that, that a, at this non-Jewish man's faith. Today, Jesus says, oh, sorry, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Wow. No Jew that Jesus had met had the faith of this man. In verse 11, Jesus speaks about the future. Many will come from the east and from the west, that is, many non-Jewish Gentiles, will come and enjoy the kingdom of heaven, while many Jews will be thrown outside into the darkness. The kingdom of God is not limited by social and racial boundaries. This centurion was an officer in the pagan army that occupied Judea, but he was as welcome in Christ's kingdom as any Israelite. The door, the key to the entry door of this kingdom, you see, is faith in Jesus. It's trust in him. That's the key. And Jesus says to the crowd at the heavenly banquet, full of matchless joy and abundance with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, there'll be this centurion and many Gentiles, while so many Jews who thought they had a place reserved for them because Abraham was in their family tree, will be thrown out and experience weeping and wailing, pain and distress. How? Their crying isn't sorrow over sin or grief that they've dishonoured God. It's the painful experience of the just judgment of God on their sin. 
and it's sobering and it is scary. I wonder, are you going to be at the heavenly feast or will you be in the darkness weeping? Do you think that you have a place reserved for you in heaven? And if you do think that, how do you know? I plead with you to place your trust, your whole trust in Jesus. Because then you can be sure. Coming back to Matthew 8 verse 13, Jesus says to the centurion's servant, uh, sorry, the centurion's servant is healed just as you believed it would, Jesus says. But I ask, what is this, this belief, this faith that Jesus commends in verse 10 and verse 13? Especially when it comes to healing, what is the faith that God looks for and desires? Uh, Agnes Sanford was a world-renowned spiritual healer who wrote many popular books on healing around 50 years ago. Sanford speaks of creating in myself an atmosphere of faith, the feeling that God is answering my prayer. And then you make in the imagination a picture of the thing that you desire in prayer. You visualize it and then give thanks that God is entering and working toward wholeness. She says, yes, you give thanks before you see the healing. And we don't even ever need to repeat the prayer for healing. Just keep giving thanks that it is being accomplished. Because we believe it, we receive it. Similar to this, Dr. David Yonghee Cho, founder of the world's largest congregation in South Korea, he suggested a similar means, method of visualizing the goal and then incubating it into reality by strength of faith. Other preachers and people today will say it too. You've just got to have enough faith and God will do it. And by implication, it means if you're not healed, it's because you didn't have enough faith. But we must ask, is this what the Bible means by faith? And is this the faith that Jesus praises here in Matthew chapter 8? Is that the faith that is so great in this centurion? From the leper and the centurion, we would have to say that faith is not a certainty that God will do something, but it is a confidence that he can. It's not being certain that God will do something, but a confidence that he can, verse 2, confidence that he cares. It's faith in the power of Jesus' words. For example, Jesus said elsewhere, God so loved the world he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Faith is believing those words. And when you believe what Jesus says and so trust in him, you are saved. Same here. Faith is in the powerful words of Jesus to heal sickness. So we could say faith is a trust in Jesus' power 
and compassion. And that brings us to our final point, Jesus' compassion and power. From verse 14, we see again Jesus healed, but you notice without any expressions of faith. When he came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying lying down, sick, in bed with a fever. And what does Jesus do? He, He touched her hand, the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. This helps us see Jesus' compassion and concern for people, doesn't it? I think it also tells us that Jesus cares for the family of believers. He cares for our nearest and dearest. We see Jesus' compassion too in verse 16. He heals all the sick who were brought to him. The people possessed by demons were freed. The evil spirits were expelled, again we're told, with a word. Again, the powerful word of Jesus healed them. And why does he do all this? Matthew says it's to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Isaiah 53 verse 4. While we rightly turn to Isaiah 53 because it's a wonderful prophecy of the suffering and cross of Christ, here we're told that this verse also applied to Jesus' earthly healing ministry. So what does it mean that Jesus carried our diseases? Some Pentecostals claim that on the cross, our sicknesses and diseases were also laid on Jesus along with our sins. And so just as our sins have been taken away, so have our sicknesses. Therefore, we Christians can claim any healing now in Jesus' name. Is that right? We would say that Jesus' healings anticipate the cross, for they begin to roll back the effects of sin which Jesus came to die for. Remember, sickness entered the world as a result of the fall, as a consequence of sin. And on the cross, Jesus experienced the destructive power of sin's root cause, of sicknesses, diseases root cause, I mean. On the cross, Jesus experienced the destructive power of sicknesses root cause, which is sin. So on the cross, Jesus did not have our sicknesses laid on him, but our sins. On the cross, he dealt with sin, and at his second coming, all sickness and disease will be carried away then. But Jesus carrying our diseases away is not all experienced now. Those who claim that Christians should never be sick because there's healing in the atonement should also claim that Christians should never die because Jesus defeated death in the atonement. The central message of the gospel is that Jesus conquered sin and the death it brings. It's the good news of forgiveness now, not health now. But we do have God's promise of full health and healing in the life to come, full healing in the life to come by God's power. And yet, God does answer prayers now, doesn't he? 
The Jesus of Matthew 8, he's our saviour, the one who wants us to trust that he is still just as powerful, if not more, he does care. He's powerful and he cares. And so what about healing today? Well, I know that God can and does even suddenly heal people miraculously. A man at my last church, Tony Lau, had brain cancer 20 years ago and it kept returning. Tony's wife, Ashley, uh, her mum was consulting mediums and getting Ashley to burn talismans, but things just got worse. Cancer kept coming and going despite meditation, despite new diets, despite travelling to Tibet. In 2006, Ashley came to Christ. 2008, Tony had a huge tumour, brain tumour, stage four brain cancer, and he'd been given three months to live. A doctor said to him, from head to toe, you are cancer. It has spread everywhere. After Ashley was baptised, later that day, Tony collapsed. He had emergency surgery and a quarter of his brain was cut out. But he was left on life support and he was pronounced dead by four doctors. But Ashley's pastor came and people prayed much for him. And they believed that God could work a miracle. Tony was a Buddhist. He'd heard the gospel, but he didn't believe. And yet in ICU, in what he describes as a coma, he had the Lord Jesus appear to him and speak to him in a dream, and Tony believed. And he woke up when he was pronounced dead. He woke up, and he woke up a Christian. He was told that he wouldn't be able to use his arms or legs again. But starting with his little finger, he moved. I can say he walks. He still lives. His doctors were left speechless. In 2013, a scan revealed that his brain had regenerated and was whole again, which the doctors thought impossible. Tony has since testified to the power of God the mercy of Christ and his miraculous healing to many doctors, many people, and before many churches, to the glory of God. In Ashley's words, Tony's faith is now like a solid mountain. Uh, Then their son Leonard was on the team of youth leaders I served with at my last church at Donvale Prezi. In Ashley's words, I know that not everyone who prays gets healed. I have lots of questions about that. But every day I give thanks to the Lord, for this day belongs to the Lord, and he has given us breath to live another day. You may think that my husband's healing is the big miracle, but the biggest miracle is the fact that we can all find salvation in the Lord. If you or your loved one gets sick, or get, gets cancer, can, like, can we like some promise that they will be healed if they or we just believe it enough? No. God's word does not promise that everyone, everyone's, 
will experience physical healing in this life. We are promised a healed relationship with God now and the presence of God's spirit with us now by faith, but not physical healing. There are some things that we just have to wait for. We are still to ask in faith, that is being completely confident in Jesus' compassion and power. We will be healed if it is God's will, as James 4.15 says. And praying, if it is your will, Lord, it doesn't destroy faith. It's not a cop-out. And it's not saying that prayer makes no difference. It is about humbling ourselves and entrusting ourselves to our totally sovereign, totally wise and good God. Please see that that's what the leper did and that's what the centurion did. They humbled themselves. They asked for help. They trusted Jesus with great faith. When we ask and pray for God for our own or someone else's healing, God wants us to trust that he can answer and he does care and he will give us what is good. As we heard recently in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus said, your father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him. It may not be what we ask for, as hard as that is. But may we trust that it will be good for us. And it's for our, our highest good and for God's glory. And so what might that mean? Well, if you continue in pain, continue to be sick, continue to struggle with disability, maybe God wants you to learn what the Apostle Paul did. 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Or maybe God wants you to be prepared to comfort others in similar troubles or to yet again learn to rely on him and not yourself, 2 Corinthians 1, or to actually be more and more conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Or maybe it will prove that your faith is genuine and result in glory, praise, and honour to Christ when he comes. The leper and the centurion, like them, in your sickness, trust that Jesus cares he is powerful. He's always powerful. Whether to heal you or sustain and give you grace, sustain you and give you grace to endure it. Have faith that he is. I close with some words from Michelle again, who I mentioned at the start. And teens, teenagers, I hope you're listening here too. Michelle says, my friend Linda grew up planning to become a medical missionary. She loves the Lord and wanted to serve him as a doctor by taking the gospel to sick people in parts of the world where medical care is hard to find. But God had other plans. Linda has indeed become a medical missionary, but not the way she expected. At age 14, Linda developed a chronic health problem that required her to be hospitalised for major surgery several times a year. 
She survived bacterial meningitis that left her in a coma for two weeks and blind for six months. She once celebrated two birthdays in a row in hospital without going home. She has had several experiences where she was not expected to live. But yet Linda is the most vibrant, grateful and cheerful person that you will ever meet. She once told me that her mission field, as she hoped and planned, is the hospital. But instead of serving God as a doctor, she serves him as a patient. No matter how sick she is, the light of the Lord radiates from her. Linda exemplifies the teaching of the Apostle Peter. Despite her trials, she rejoices and the genuineness of her faith brings praise, glory and honour to Jesus Christ. And Michelle says, so wrapped up in all the tears, sobbing and all, all the emotion of today, I too want to bring praise, glory and honour to Jesus Christ through my life whether that be on two feet or in a wheelchair, whether that be in life or in death. I am not giving up. He is more than able to heal. But if he doesn't, I need to be okay with that too. Let's pray that we would also. Living Lord Jesus, we praise you for your power that we've considered today and seen today by faith. It's amazing. Heal with a touch, with a word, even from a distance, all by your will. You do, you are in authority over all things in heaven and on earth. For those of us who endure pain and trial and hardship ongoingly, it is overwhelming sometimes especially when we pray and ask for you to heal and, and you don't. Lord, help them, help us to keep believing that you are truly powerful, you can, but you're also truly compassionate and you care. And Lord, we pray that you might strengthen the faith of all of our brothers and sisters as they endure sickness and trial. Give them grace to endure and to bring honour to Jesus in their life, in their suffering, even in death. So, Father God, we pray that you'd grow our faith and give us the strong faith of this centurion we've read about. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.